Hey, it's John Paul. For a long time now, legendary Sherman Whitman has invited me onto his radio show, no matter what station he was at. And on this day, 10-1, Sherman's last program is on WPKZ. And the day before, on September 30th, he invited me to be part of the show, and I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for knowing him, and I wish him the best in whatever the next chapter of his radio career is. So stay tuned for The Car Doctor Joins Sherman Whitman on WPKZ. The Thursday Kazon Morning Commute, 105.3 FM and 1280 WPKZ. We're pleased to be joined by the man who is known as The Car Doctor, John Paul from AAA Northeast. Good morning, John. Thanks so much for joining us. Great to have you with us again. Good morning, Sherman, and how's everything there this morning? Oh, we're doing good. You have me, you have Sean Sweeney here. Good morning, John Paul. John, 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 Paul. Uh, So I'm just introducing the two of you, John, Sean, Sean, John. Well, we've talked before. Yeah, we talked. Okay, I just want to be sure. Yeah. Yeah. Good. We're going to talk cars this morning because fall is finally here. Summer is gone, so now we're getting ready for fall. And October's just around the corner. Of course, there's fall foliage, things to see, travel, because uh, people are thinking what to do when we get to the, I guess, that three-day weekend for one. But what I'm going to do for a moment, bear with me with this. When with my coining, this, there's that phrase, the following program brought to you in living color on NBC. What I want to do is take a look at the car and the fluids that are in the car. And the following fluids in our car brought to us in living color on WPKZ. But I'm talking about, let's say, like, uh, what we're talking about, let's say, like the radiator, the fluid, that's usually green in color, right? If everything's working properly, then you've got the transmission fluid. Because these are fluids that a lot of times we don't even think about checking, right? Uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. And what's kind of happened over the years, and you pick two good fall color fluids, you know, with green and and. Uh, you know, the transmission fluid can be anywhere from cherry red to kind of brownish cranberry red, I suppose. Uh, mm-hmm. But even the antifreeze today can be, there is about eight different types of antifreeze on the market today. And when I first started to repair cars a lifetime ago, it was pretty much the green stuff. That's what you put in. And and then now, they, you know, GM has its own special antifreeze. It's kind of an orange color. And uh, Chrysler has its own antifreeze. It's sort of a golden color. And there's about eight different kinds of antifreeze. So it's important when you're servicing the cooling system on a car, for instance, which is done somewhere between every three and five or six years, depending on the car and the manufacturer, you make sure you put the right antifreeze in the car because uh, it's specific to that type of vehicle. So it's important to use the right kind and follow the manufacturer's suggestions about how much to put in. Uh, Here in New England, we typically run a 50-50 mix of antifreeze and water that protects the car to an average of minus 34 degrees. If you're way up in the North Country where it gets really, really cold, 75% antifreeze, 25% water, brings the temperature down to probably minus 50. Where people make the mistake is they'll they'll pour 100% antifreeze in thinking it will really protect it, and it actually goes in the other direction. It turns kind of a gooey, soupy mess and doesn't protect as well. So for most of us, 50-50 mix, and a lot of times now you can buy a pre-mixed container that's 50-50, which means you're paying more for water basically but um and and transmission fluid uh it gets discolored a lot of cars today uh 
Toyota's one of them, one of the most popular. It doesn't have a transmission dipstick, so you might want to, as a routine, check the oil by pulling the dipstick out, wiping it off, putting it back in, and then you go to look for the transmission fluid, and you go, well, how do I check it? There's no dipstick. Well, they're one of the manufacturers that said, you know, people add the wrong stuff, and let's take the dipstick out, and we'll have our own special way to check it. And again, that's one of the one of the fluids that you can that you should look at if you can look at it. Now, when we're checking the transmission fluid, how often do we look at the transmission fluid to make sure that the car is running properly? Because I would assume if you just let it go, go, go without checking the fluid, something can happen to your transmission, right? Yeah, if the fluid is low, if it's more than say a quart or so low, and that's why it's important every once in a while to even if you don't check the fluids. Glance under the car and see if there's a puddle of anything. You know, unless it's clear water, you should be a little bit concerned because it could be uh, engine oil, it could be transmission fluid, it could be power steering fluid, it could be engine coolant. Um, and it, it is sort of that fall color palette, I suppose, of, of what you might see under your car. So um, it is important to check it if you can check it, uh, it depending on your car so you, you have an idea what what your car is like if you don't know anything if you just bought a used car say it's six or seven years old you don't know anything about it check all the fluid levels once a week and if nothing changes over the course of a month check them once a month or so and if nothing changes over the course of six months then you kind of have an idea where to when and how to check the fluid level so transmission fluid checking it at every oil change is a minimum that's what you want to do and, uh, and check it more often if you think there's some kind of leak. Uh, transmission fluid, especially in New England here where we have some hot temperatures in summer, but more importantly in the wintertime, people get stuck in the snow. They're spinning their tires. You've seen them. You, you see them. They're stuck in the, you know, the, the tires going 60 miles an hour and the car's not going anywhere. That overheats the transmission fluid, and when that happens, it can do damage to the inside of the transmission and can damage all the, the bands and clutches in the transmission. Why? I never knew that could happen. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's so, so when you're stuck in the snow, if that happens this winter, what you do is a little acceleration forward, step on the brake, shift into reverse, a little bit backwards, a little bit forward, nice and easy, rock the car nice and easy back and forth, not, you know, floor the gas pedal and hope the car gets moving. Or better off, buy snow tires, buy winter tires. Best and in Sherman's case, rock the boat. In other words, rock, rock a bikey, uh, something like that. Something right? like that, yeah. Okay, that works. Now, one silly thing. Uh, this may seem like a silly thing, but do people have this thing in their glove compartment, the owner's manual? Do people really take a look at that owner's manual, take note of what it is, what it says, and learn more about their car and, and what to do to make be sure their car runs to the best of its capabilities? The owner's manual, the uh, book least read by anyone and i like to say that and i don't go to junkyards very often anymore but it's the best looking part you'll ever find in a junkyard because no one ever looks at the owner's manual i shouldn't say no one so people do but not very often and if anything they look at the owner's manual when there's a problem so if there's a check engine light that comes on they'll they'll look to the owner's manual to see what that means but the owner's manual has a lot of um information everything from you know, we're, we're about ready to, you know, change time from uh, 
daylight savings time to standard time or standard time to daylight savings time. I never remember which, but it's, um, you know, before long we'll be falling back. And sometimes you need to look in the owner's manual to figure out how to change the clock in the car. But uh, looking through the owner's manual, in the owner's manual, it has all of the scheduled maintenance that needs to be performed to the car. And that maintenance is the stuff you need to do to maintain the warranty on the car and to maintain the life on the car. Uh, my own car, for instance, has a weird recall, and uh, it's it can be pretty significant to the point where the engine can fail. And it, it, right in there it says, well, for the recall to or for the uh, extended warranty, because uh, I drive a Hyundai and they said, uh, we will guarantee the engine for life, but you have, to do the, you have to do the maintenance as required in the owner's manual. And so it's important, and, you, and it's pretty simple. It's just a matter of oil changes, and do them, do them when they're needed, which in the case of my car is every 7,500 miles or six months. So um, looking in the owner's manual also helps you with some repair shops might recommend, say, a transmission flush or a power steering flush or a brake fluid flush. And you go, uh, you know, I, well, that's pretty expensive. What's that going to be, Three or $400 for all of those things? And you look in the owner's manual, and it may not mention those things at all. Now, can it hurt to have those things done? No. Is it necessary? Not at all. And you can save yourself some money by saying, I just want to do what's required by the owner's manual. And still just doing the having that flush, that can make a difference because sometimes with a flush you find, oh, we've got a little problem here. We can take care of that problem before it becomes a real big problem, too. Uh, sometimes when you're doing fluid changes, you can you might see some you might see some evidence of a problem and again that's where the fluid condition and i just wrote a column for boston.com about someone wanted to know how often uh... transmission fluid should be changed and should it be changed in a car with hundred eighty thousand miles on it and and the the person who wrote to me said i've never had the fluid changed it has hundred eighty thousand miles on it it runs good and it shifts fine, should I have the fluid change? And then it becomes a little questionable because now all of a sudden you may take a chance of flushing out some of the varnishes that, that have built up over the years in that transmission, and then you may end up causing problems. So it gets a little controversial if uh, you haven't done regular maintenance to the car. So uh, in that particular car, I think you, you were supposed to change the fluid every seventy five or 100,000 miles, and going twice as long, in that case, you might say, you know what, I'm just going to leave it there. I'm going to leave the fluid right where it is, and I don't want to take a chance that it may cause a problem. So it, it's, uh, you know, the, the inside of your transmission can look a little bit like, um, you know, the inside of your body when you have high cholesterol. I don't want to look at my body no, I don't, yeah. high cholesterol, yeah. you know. Yeah, me either. <laughs> 751 our time. We're talking with the car doctor, John Paul from AAA Northeast. We're talking all things cars right now on the Kazem Morning Community. Speaking of cars, we're going to check the roads next. 752 our time. This check of the roads and weather is sponsored by your home company specialist, Spratic for Oil and Energy. We'll start with 495 southbound in the Boxborough area. They're calling this a minor three car crash at. Uh, Right there at Route Exit Route 111, that's Exit 75. The right-hand lane is blocked. However, if there's a three-car crash, they call it minor. There's got to be something to more than just a minor crash. If it's a three little feet, bit more than a three-car crash. Right, because if a three-car crash, 
That means we're it may be a minor crash, but we're talking potentially a major league backup. But right now they say it's going to take uh, maybe like 40, 45 minutes or so to get through this area because of this minor three-car crash. Minor. Yeah, minor. There's more major than minor to this situation there, just so you know. As far as Route 2 goes, Shirley Road still running slow. Route 2 eastbound Shirley Road and 190. That's still a bit on the slow side as we head towards the top of the hour. Weather-wise, mostly cloudy, cool. Highs around 60. 51 degrees our temperature. More to come with the car doctor, John Paul, on the Thursday Kazon Morning Commute. 7.55 our time. Oh, I couldn't think of a better song to play. Thank you so much, Sean. This is what I do. I play music. I spin the records. Mix master I, Sean Sweeney. And I push everybody. the buttons. I'm a monkey. They, I wouldn't call you that. But I would say I'm you a were, trained monkey, you, but you, you know. The master at the controls, master at commander, we'll call him for this morning on the KZO Morning Commute. And once again, we're talking with the car doctor, John Paul, from AAA Northeast. Now that fall is here, days are getting shorter. And, yes, it's starting to get a little colder out there. And that means less time to work on your car. That's right. Unless you have a heated garage and then you have lights and all that good stuff. And seeing that we're getting closer to those cold days and cold nights, let's come up with a quick checklist of things to do between now and the time winter comes along, things we can do to make sure our car is ready for the winter of 2022. Well, it's it's pretty it's pretty easy, really. Make sure your battery is in good shape. If you don't remember when the last time you had your battery checked, get it checked. Uh, generally, if the battery in your car is more than three years old, have it checked. The average life of a battery in the Northeast here is about five years. It's shorter in hot weather states because it's the heat from the summer that actually does the battery in. It's wintertime that stresses it. That's when it needs the most energy, and batteries lose energy in the winter, just like as as if you left your cell phone in your car on a cold winter night. You come out, and you're like, uh, it's all it's dead. Well, your car battery kind of has the same problem. So have the battery checked, and maybe even if you have to be out first thing in the morning, replace it if it's five or more years old just to get it done so you don't have to worry about it. Uh, engine coolant we already talked about. Make sure that's in good shape. If your car is... Um, relatively new consider synthetic oil synthetic oil uh, allows uh, better lubrication in cold weather uh, sometimes putting it in a car that has two or three hundred thousand miles on it might not be the best idea because synthetic oil won't cause an oil leak but it can it can find one if it's there because it's a little bit thinner and flows a little bit better but I found that synthetic oil uh, I use it in everything including my lawnmower uh, I just find it allows for easier starting. Uh, make sure your tires are in good shape. Uh, we always used to say, you know, take a penny and measure the tread with a penny, and if it's not up to Lincoln's head, uh, we actually say use a quarter now. Um, and if the tread's not up to Washington's head, replace the tires. Better is even uh, consider winter tires. Winter tires will give you much better traction in not just snowy weather, but also cold weather because the... Um, the rubber is formulated for uh, better cold weather use. So uh, doing those and keeping that winter emergency kit in your car, a snow shovel, a long-handled snow brush, some extra warm clothes, boots, gloves, you know, scarf and hat, um, just in case you do break down and your car quits running. Uh, Sean, you brought up a good point. It's, you know, as the days get shorter, unless you have a heated garage to work on your car, there's nothing worse than, you know, breaking down by the side of the road and saying, well, I know it's only a a mile walk up to the 
Dunkin' Donuts or the Burger King out a walk. And nothing, nothing worse than doing that in clothes that weren't designed to be outside. I, I don't know how many times I've, you know, seen people in winter times and they're wearing, you know, still wearing shorts and flip flops. That's not the. That's not what you want to be wearing if you have to be walking in the snow. John Paul, we have about a minute left to go. Uh, mentioning tires, how often should we be? making sure our tires are properly inflated in the winter because obviously uh, you, you lose, uh, you lose uh, what, 10% of your pressure every 10 degrees or thereabouts? Yeah, uh, you, you, uh, you, lose, you lose a pound or two every time the temperature drops um, uh, 10 degrees, and a, and a good tire will lose a pound or, pound or so a month. So good rule of thumb, check the tire pressure once a month, don't rely on the tire pressure monitor system, although they're fairly accurate. They don't work when it's really, really cold out. Go buy a tire pressure gauge. They're inexpensive. You can buy one for 4 or $5. Keep it in the glove compartment. And before you start driving in the morning, get out there, check all four tires, do it once a month. And if you find one that's a little bit low, air it back up. If you find it a little bit low the next month, that tire has a leak. Go bring it to a tire store or someplace. Have it checked. Chances are there's a nail or it's leaking around the rim or something have it repaired nothing worse than getting a flat tire in a snowstorm and we'll do it right there john thanks so much for joining us eight o'clock wpkz fitchburg lemister news is next the ap has learned